Thank you, choir, and thank you, Cody, for leading us in worship. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks that you are with us always. That you call us by your mercies. And that we can hear your call. And that we can respond in faith. Following you. Living for your kingdom. Sharing your kingdom. As you see us and we see each other. And as we encounter you, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It was a uh, spring evening. After dark, lights were on at the intramural softball fields at Duke University. I joined uh, fellow men and women in training for ministry on the Divinity School softball team. And on that night, we were playing an undergraduate fraternity team that had, shall we say, a bit of a reputation. <laughs> they like to have fun in many and various ways. And so we had fun with this game, playing this team. The interesting thing about the setup, the context, was that our bench was right along the first base side and not 10 feet from first base itself. And this undergraduate fraternity had a very entertaining first baseman. He enjoyed himself. And so we had an ongoing conversation with him uh, throughout the game. Fast forward to near the end of the game, we're down by uh, one. We have two runners on second and third and our batter hits a great hard shot right towards the first baseman. And the first baseman gets in position and shades of Bill Buckner, 
The ball runs through his legs, out into the outfield. Our two runners score, and we are now ahead uh, in the game. And so we're cheering and we're celebrating, and right at that moment where you let go of the, the last play and you're getting ready for the next play, the first baseman takes his glove, and he doesn't drop it. He throws it on the ground, and he stomps on his glove, and he kicks his glove, and he says some words that shall not be repeated in this setting or should not be said in any setting. He has an outburst, and once he gets it out of his system, he realizes that his glove has been kicked closer than 10 feet to the first base bench, and he bends down to pick it up, and he looks up, and he realizes that his outburst has been taking place in front of preachers in training. Yeah. <laughs> and he stands straight up, and he takes his hat off, and he holds his hat next to his heart, and he apologizes profusely, and he assures us of his deep and abiding respect for the clergy. <laughs> He was the kind of guy that if I had the chance, I would have loved to become his friend. And I've thought about him over the years. What would it have been like if I had had the opportunity to get to know him? Maybe he was already a follower of Jesus. Maybe he wasn't. Let's assume for our purposes this morning that he wasn't. That he had yet to receive and embrace the love of Jesus. And if I had had the opportunity to visit with him and First of all, dissect his outburst and assure him uh, about the play in which we went ahead. But if I had a chance to get to know him, surely I would have shared with him how much Jesus loves him. And I would have invited him, after hopefully showing the love of Jesus, I would have invited him to trust Jesus, to believe in him, and to follow him. And, hopefully... I would have done something like what our passage suggests when Jesus talks about fishing for people. In the context of Matthew 4, where Jesus makes this announcement to James and John and Andrew and, and Peter to join him in fishing for people, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He is announcing that the kingdom of heaven has come near, and hopefully I would have figured out ways as I was talking with this first baseman about Jesus, hopefully I would have figured out ways to challenge him to repent and join the kingdom and to further the kingdom of heaven. Second Sunday of Advent, we looked at the first few verses of Matthew chapter 3, and we saw in verse 2 that the very first public ministry words that John the Baptist speaks are these, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then in our passage this morning, in verse 17, the very first ministry words, public ministry words of Jesus are the exact same words that John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then the next words that Jesus says are to uh, Peter and to, to uh, Andrew, uh, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Logic says, logic suggests that the, the announcement that John and that Jesus makes are going to be connected to what it means to follow Jesus and to fish for others to draw them into the kingdom. And sure enough, when Jesus...
prepares his disciples and begins to send them out for the first time for them to do public ministry on their own. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And we've been talking about this off and on for a couple of months since the second Sunday of Advent. In heaven, the realm we call heaven, we believe that all right now in heaven, all is as God wills for it to be. So for John and for Jesus to say the kingdom of heaven has come near in Jesus, it is to say that Jesus in his person, in his life, is bringing the ways, the reality of heaven to earth. And so right now in heaven there is perfect love. Jesus in his life loves God, loves people, loves creation perfectly, which means he's bringing the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven near. In the heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven right now, there is no sickness, no, uh, no evil, no, no sin. Uh, there is no pain. There is no death. And so Jesus in his earthly ministry, when he heals the sick, when he raises the dead, when he forgives sin, when he casts out demons, he is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then when he dies on the cross and takes upon himself, takes within himself all of our sin, and when God raises him from the dead, Jesus emerges as victor over sin, death, and the demonic, and the kingdom of heaven is fully established even though we do not fully experience it yet. One day we will, the Gospels tell us, when he returns to fully establish the kingdom. And until that day, the kingdom of heaven is still near through the Holy Spirit. And we can experience the kingdom through faith in Jesus, and we can further the kingdom through our life of ministry together. And so if I'd had a chance to get to know Mr. First Baseman, a la Bill Buckner, if I'd had a chance to get to know him, I might have said to him, along with inviting him to follow Jesus and talking with him about how much Jesus loves him, I might have also said, you're getting a great and very expensive vacation. Don't waste it all on yourself. Do more than just seek to be to do good for yourself and your family. Whether you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person, be a great one. And further the kingdom of God through your work. Further the kingdom of God through your life. Be used of Jesus, by Jesus, so that others can see him through the life that you live. That's announcing that the kingdom of heaven has come near and it's challenging people to believe it and follow it and further it. And of course, we say and share and remind ourselves of the same things every time we're together. So let me remind us all, don't take what God has given you and just use it on yourself. Take the gifts and the experiences and the resources that God has given you and use them to further the kingdom. Where you work, where you go to school, where you live, where you travel, wherever you are, Use that time, that place, to be a vessel for the kingdom so that you may live in such a way that others see Jesus in you and that the kingdom of heaven comes near through you. We share that with each other every week, which then suggests that when we are inviting people to follow Jesus, our vision statement says we help people meet Jesus. When we're helping people meet Jesus, we not only talk with them about his love, we also talk about the call to discipleship. 
if we're serious about kingdom work, then we'll share that up front with those we help meet Jesus, that he calls us to further his kingdom, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that's the most important thing that we can possibly be a part of through Jesus and his life, his death, and resurrection. And we give our lives to the gospel and the furtherance of the kingdom. So I hope I would have talked about, challenged him to give his life in service to Jesus through the kingdom of heaven that has come near. But before I did that, there's something essential, something foundational that I would have needed to do for my softball friend. I would have needed to see him. To see him not just as a softball player, not just as a person in college preparing for life, but as a fellow person made in the image of God. As someone for whom Jesus died. As someone whose story is known by God. Psalm 139 applies to everyone. God knows everything about us. I would need to see him as someone whom God had already created works for him to walk into. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I would have needed to see his story. And join him and walk with him in his joys and his sorrows. This is wonderful. Two words that Matthew uses twice in this passage. Here's what he says about Jesus. As he walked by the verse 18, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw. He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew. And then after they leave their nets and follow Jesus, Matthew says in verse 21. As Jesus went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Now, everything we know about Jesus tells us, beyond a shadow of doubt, that this was no random seeing. It's not like Jesus is walking along the shore, and he happens to glance up, and he sees these brothers. No way. Everything we know about Jesus tells us that he is intentional, that he sees them, and not just that they're fishermen. He sees deep into their hearts and deep into their souls. He sees who they are. He sees their sinfulness, their faithfulness, their brokenness. He sees the things they've done well and the things they've done poorly. He sees their potential. He sees everything about them. Notice that there's no indication in this passage that Peter and Andrew and James and John see Jesus first. They're doing their thing. They're mending their nets. They're casting their nets. They don't see Jesus coming. Jesus sees them first. Jesus takes the initiative, and Jesus sees them deeply. And I believe that the reason these four fishermen put aside their nets, two of them leaving their father, and follow Jesus, even though they don't know him, I believe they do this because they know they have been seen. And they like it. That they've been seen by Jesus. And they follow him. They follow him. And so it is for us. If we are to be like Jesus. In fishing for people. In helping people to meet him. Then, then we will have to see people. Not just notice. But see deeply. To, to see joy and pain. Sorrow and suffering. To see potential. To see the way Jesus sees, and when we see 
each other when we see our neighbors, our neighbors see Jesus and we encounter Jesus together. If I were to have become this softball player's friend, God's call and my privilege would have been to see him. And so it is for us. We have the privilege and the responsibility and the calling to see the people around us. Again, to see their joy, to see their pain, to see their story, to see their hopes, and to walk with them if we want to help them meet Jesus. There's another thing I would have had to do, another thing we have to do if we want to help people meet Jesus. We we need to see them, and this second part may be harder. We need to allow them to see us. It's one thing to try to see another person deeply. It's another thing to allow that person to see us deeply. But it's only when someone sees us in our authenticity as a person made in the image of God who loves Jesus. It's only when people see Jesus in us by seeing us that they can truly and deeply meet Jesus in a personal way. Now, we do have boundaries in this. Even the people that know us best don't know everything about us. There are proper boundaries to hold in our relationships with each other in this place and in our relationships with our neighbors, but in the midst of those boundaries, honoring those boundaries to see another person, if we want them to meet Jesus, is also to allow them to see us. I have a, a, a great friend from way back who many years ago was uh, an urban youth minister in Philadelphia. And on one Friday, fall Friday, he was taking a group of inner city teenagers uh, up to a retreat with other youth groups, some big conference in the Pocono Mountains. And uh, he was running late, he was in a hurry, and all the way up the mountain, the van broke down. And he got angry, and he got frustrated, and shades of my friend on the softball field, he said some things that he probably should not have said. Used language that was a little too colorful. And, uh, and he lost his cool. But he, he got the van repaired, and they made their way, and they had a great retreat. On the way back, he learned that one of the teenagers gave his life to Jesus through this weekend. And my friend was thrilled, and he said to the teenager, was it something the speaker said, or was it one of the Bible studies, or was it being in the beauty of God's creation? And the teenager said, no, it was none of that. It was when you lost it on the van. <laughs> I figured that if you can be a Christian, anybody can be <laughs> And the two of them saw each other deeply. Both of them saw each other in their broken and glorious humanity. And they saw Jesus, too. And the kingdom of heaven came near. And so, friends, if we're serious about helping people meet Jesus, we're going to see them 
We're going to need to be seen. And that's not an easy thing to do. There's more. I would have wanted to talk with this guy about the kingdom. I would have wanted to see him and be seen by him. And I would have been called by God and given the privilege of inviting <coughs> this person to come to church. We see Jesus and we see each other one-on-one. -on -one. And we see Jesus when we're within the family of faith known as the church. We try to live out the kingdom of heaven here, hopefully in our love for each other, hopefully in the way we see each other and allow others to see us in this fellowship. Hopefully we can see the kingdom. Hopefully we believe the kingdom of heaven has come near. And if we want people to experience the kingdom of heaven and learn the ways of the kingdom of heaven and to see Jesus, it just makes sense that we would invite them to come and see, come and see Jesus as he lives and works and moves among the people known as Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. It's interesting this call that Jesus makes on the lives of these four fishermen. He doesn't say to Peter, all right, Peter, I want you to reserve Mondays for me, and I'll come and find you on Monday and we'll walk together. Andrew, you get Tuesday. James, I'll come and find you on Wednesday. We'll do some one-on-one -on -one time. John, Thursday is your day. He doesn't do that. He calls them all to be together with him, all four of them, soon to be 12, soon to be multitudes. Together, they follow Jesus. Together, they see Jesus and work together to further the kingdom of God. And so, sisters and brothers, together we follow Jesus and we see him and we do his work in this place. And if we truly believe that Jesus is present among us and that the kingdom of heaven is near among us, if we believe that, then we'll invite people to come and see, come and be with us and see Jesus and his kingdom. Many of us may never feel comfortable, and it's okay, may never feel comfortable to challenge someone to repent and believe in and further the kingdom of heaven that has come near. But we can, if we want people to meet Jesus, we can invite them to come to church. Come to my fellowship. Come to my church. Come, come and join me. And I'll, I'll be with you. And we'll serve and worship and most of all, eat together. We do like to eat, right? <laughs> we'll be together here. And Jesus will be here. And we can see him together. I had the privilege of getting to know uh, a woman who, who is an Iraq war veteran. And she has post-traumatic stress disorder. And she has this uh, wonderful service dog that sees her. Her service dog sees and senses when she's becoming stressful, when her, when her stress is, is being elevated. And this dog who sees and senses her and her stress has been trained on how to comfort her and to calm her. A couple in our church in Wilmington was out and about town and they met this 
woman and her service dog, and they struck up a conversation, and they invited her to join them in church, and she did. And we had this uh, small, numerically small, uh, Sunday school class that was really good at seeing people. And they welcomed her. And they welcomed her dog to their Sunday school class discussions. And we welcomed her and her dog to worship. And they saw her. And she saw them. And they and she saw Jesus through each other. And as she walked with us and worshiped with us and ate with us, she experienced the presence of the kingdom. And on Easter Monday, one beautiful spring day several years ago, we all gathered on the beach as she was baptized in the ocean, professing her faith in Jesus, and the kingdom of heaven was near. And it was a beautiful thing. And so in the language of our vision statements, if we want to help people meet Jesus, one of the things we want to make sure we're doing in the power of the Holy Spirit is loving each other unconditionally, as our fellowship statement says. When we love one another, when we see one another, people see Jesus and the kingdom of heaven comes near. One final thing that I would have needed to do, at least of all the things I can think of, with my softball friend, while I was talking with him about Jesus and the kingdom, and while I was seeing him and allowing him to see me, and while I was inviting him to church, through all of that, one thing that I would need to never forget, never lose track of, that is the good news that Jesus sees me. And Jesus sees you. And Jesus sees all of us. And when he sees us, he sees our good parts and bad parts. He sees our faithfulness and sinfulness. He sees our joys and our sorrows and our brokenness. And whatever he sees in us that we don't like, I'm assuming that all of us have some parts of ourselves that we wish were different. When he sees those parts, he doesn't turn away. It doesn't diminish his love for us one bit. When he sees us, he loves us, he sees us in love. And when we can embrace his gaze, his love, we find the kingdom of heaven is still near in his people who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is still near because Jesus is still walking among us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I pray for 
the first baseman on the softball field those many years ago. I hope that he already knows you. But if he doesn't, I pray that you would work through Christians around him and churches around him that he may come to embrace the good news that Jesus loves him and calls him to work for your kingdom. Oh Lord, for the young man on the bus who gave his life to Jesus, wherever he is, strengthen him and encourage him. And for the young woman from our church in Wilmington, strengthen her faith in her service to the kingdom. And for us as a congregation, by your Spirit, help us to truly see each other and give us courage to let others see us in this room, that we might be a congregation where people truly and deeply can see and be seen by Jesus. Help us, O oh God, to see our neighbors this week, to see who they are, to see your work and your love in their lives, to be seen by them. We pray that through our interactions that Jesus can be encountered and that your kingdom can be furthered. Bless us, O oh Lord, as we seek to live and respond to the good news proclaimed by John and Jesus and the disciples. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It is in the name of the one who brings the kingdom that we pray. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus, hymn 602. We'll sing this hymn. Let's sing it like we mean it. If you decided to follow Jesus long ago, recommit yourself to being a servant of Jesus whose kingdom has come near. If you have never decided to follow Jesus, come and talk with me. We'll talk about what it means. If you've decided to follow Jesus, but you haven't publicly professed your faith and presented yourself as a candidate for baptism, as we sing this hymn, I'll stand right here, come and talk with me, and I'll share your decision to be baptized with the church. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, but not a part of a church home, come and join us as we seek to live the ways of the kingdom together. Would you stand as we sing?